Today I invite you to take your Bible and join with me in reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, and verses 14 to 15, just two very simple verses. And then I also would read one verse from chapter 3, and that is the last verse of that chapter, verse 17. Today is the Sunday after Christmas. It's an odd time of the year. New Year's hasn't come yet. Christmas is kind of, well, it's the weekend of Christmas. But uh, what do we do now in this in-between time? What do we focus on? And I sense the presence of God here in, in a special way as I see person after person sharing from their heart and through their tears in their walk and relationship with God the Father. And I pray that this sermon will speak to you today. I told Richard during Sunday school, I said, Richard, either this is going to be the most boring, abstract, far out there sermon you've ever heard in your life, or it's going to transform you, <laughs> one or the other. And I pray that it is transformational, because all my life I've been looking for home. I left home when I was about 16, 17 years old. My mom died, and uh, finished high school, went off to college, and um, when your life is turned upside down like that with the death of a parent, um, you're always kind of wanting to find that place where you belong. Where, where do I belong? And I've come to learn that life is a journey. There really is no place on earth to call home anymore because this place is not home. Now, it's interesting that we get the word home from the word for heart. Our fireplace. A fireplace at your house is where you gather to warm in the cold uh, winter season. Uh, the fireplace is where you tell stories about, you know, Christmas past and experiences in your life. The fireplace is someplace where, you, well, we used to cook at the fireplace in, in houses year, years back. But it's where we warm ourselves and we tell stories about home and what it used to be like. But I've come to watch in believers as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we're looking for that place called home, and we're not quite there yet. And so I've titled today's message, The Geography of the Soul. The Geography of the Soul. We are sojourners with Christ. We're on a journey. And uh, everywhere we choose to live, or where the providence of God leads us, is where we reside for this period of time. But there's still something missing. It's that sense of being at home. We follow the narrative in the birth of our Lord in chapter 2 of Matthew. We're preaching through Matthew from uh, Advent to Easter. And I didn't quite want to leave the narrative of the birth of Christ and wasn't quite ready to get into the temptation of Jesus. I, I'll start there next Sunday. But I wanted to just hover a little bit on these two verses. And I want you to focus on the travels of Jesus with his mother and his dad. And uh, think about your travels through this life. Think about where you've gone. And the providence of God and how God has led you and spoken to you and grown you through your journey with him. Verse 14 says, So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night, and they left for Egypt. And he remained there until the death of Herod, 
This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Every time I read that passage of scripture, I think about the story about the kids in Sunday school and they're drawing pictures about Christmas. And little Johnny has drawn an airplane. And there are a few windows in that airplane. And there are four characters in that airplane. And the teacher asked little Johnny, said, little Johnny, how is this airplane your Christmas picture? And little Johnny says, well, there's Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. And she said, well, who's the fourth person? She said, oh, that's Pilate, and they're on their flight to Egypt. I waited all year to tell that story. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, they're on their flight to Egypt. They are escaping from the evils of the dictator Herod. And God in his providence is involved in their journey just like God is involved in your journey too. In fact, they're going to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, Bethlehem to Egypt, and Egypt back to Nazareth. And God was involved in every move that they made. We too are a people on a journey. We're never quite at home anywhere that we live. And we are like Jesus Christ in that it is the providence of God that we travel in this life and follow Jesus as our Savior and our Lord because that's how Jesus lived. The Bible says He did not hang on to heaven, but He let go of heaven and He came to earth and He dwelt among us. And He told His disciples, He said, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. Jesus knew what it was like to live out of a suitcase. Jesus knew what it was like to live out of a suitcase. We're sojourners too. We are sojourners with Christ and we are not alone in our journey of following Jesus and living in this world. I have come to learn that I can have family even though I sort of lost my family after mom died when I serve the Lord and serving through the church, I find family in every church I'm in. In fact, my Kentucky mom's sitting right up here in the front row. Mary, we're delighted that you're with us today. We came to Louisville 35, 36 years ago now, 37 years ago now. And our 18-month-old son was accompanying us as we went into the church one Sunday. And uh, he looked up at Mary and he said, Mama, uh, Mary... <laughs> And from then on, she was his grandmother. So um, they have become like family to us. She and her husband, Don, they have no children. And so they took on our kids as their grandchildren. I've learned that wherever I go, if I will let people accompany me on this journey to follow Jesus Christ, I'm going to find some of the best family I could have ever had in my life. People who love serving the Lord. People who love to give of themselves for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And though my worldly family, my biological family, didn't all serve the Lord, a lot of my family uh, went to the Mormon faith, um, were not faithful to their, to their heritage and to their roots and denied the, uh, the, the gospel of Christ. And yet, even in the Mormon faith, they did not continue. They uh, got out of that as well. They were searching for something 
looking for an anchor somewhere. And in the Mormon faith, it teaches that you are at home in America because we are the ancestors of Abraham that have landed here in America. And so the whole genealogy quest in the Mormon faith is to reconnect with the earthly family that lives in America and get baptized at the Mormon uh, temple there in Utah in order to have an eternal family in heaven. It's a quest for home. They're just searching for home. And I have found that God has given us an eternal home in His holy heaven. He's given us a traveling home here on earth. And I find that with God's people, I have more family than I can send Christmas cards to. In fact, I've just kind of give up. I just put a little something on Facebook and say, Merry Christmas, y'all. But I love this family of God. You and I are not the only ones. In fact, if you look all through the Bible, this is a theme, this whole idea of sojourning, traveling. You don't really belong anywhere. You're just always traveling. This idea of sojourning is a description that God has used to describe His people of the Old Testament. The book of Hebrews describes these people. He calls them the heroes of the Bible days. And he names Moses, and he names Abraham, and he names all these people of the Old Testament. And said, but they all died and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. As a Christian, now hear this clearly. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, knowing that you are living upstream from the rest of the world, that you are on the narrow path of travel and the rest of the world is on a broad path of travel, Know that you're kind of like a salmon swimming upstream against the culture of this world. There's a part of you that should never sense that I belong here. Because this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Abraham was one of those people mentioned in the Bible, his wife Sarah. Moses was led by the Israelites into the promised land. And King David also saw himself as a sojourner. Hear my prayer, he said to the Lord, and give ear to my cry. David's crying out for this sense of wanting to be at home. Hold not your peace, O Lord, he said, from my tears. He's crying in his prayers to God. And he's saying, I am a sojourner with you, Lord. I am a guest in this world like my father's. Folks, that's adult Christianity stuff right there. People are looking for a group to belong to, a subculture within the modern culture to belong to. They're looking for someone who sees the world like they do in order to have a sense of belonging. But I've come to learn that if you believe in Christ, you belong to the people of God. You belong to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are a sojourning family. I think about you meeting in this gym here right now. We're not in that other building yet. We're here right now, but we're not there yet. And that's okay. Because that really symbolizes the whole Christian walk. We experience a taste of heaven now, but we're not there yet. 
There are days that we feel in limbo in our faith because we're not there yet. And that causes us to live by faith in the providence of God and understand that God is at work even when we don't feel at home. So how should we travel? If we find ourselves in Egypt sometimes, a long way from home, relying upon the prosperity of others in order for us to have a place to stay and live. That's what Mary and Joseph and Jesus did. They went to Egypt. In fact, quite often the Israelites would, would sojourn into Egypt because of the famine that took place in the Holy Land. And they were living off of the prosperity of other people. You ever find yourself not having enough and needing to depend upon other people? That's part of the Christian walk. So how should we travel? Whether we live in Egypt, maybe we're trying to go back up to Nazareth, a place that we call home. If I could just get there in my, in my life. I know we have goals, we have dreams, and we think if I could have this, if I could achieve that, if I could achieve this goal, then I'll have it made and I'll be at home. And Joseph thought, I'll go back to the Holy Land and I'll raise this baby child Jesus. And just before he got there, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, don't go right, turn left. And go a little further north and settle up there instead. And Joseph adjusted. And here's how you and I adjust. When God throws us a curve sometimes, we don't get to achieve those goals we wanted to achieve. Here's how we should travel. Number one, travel light. Travel light. Travel light. Don't weigh yourself down with so much stuff in this world and get so attached to your things and your stuff that you can't go with God. Travel light. Be careful of the materialism that you accumulate and say, this is mine. There is a theology that's out there in Christianity and you see it on TV all the time. God has blessed me because I have so much stuff and it's all first-class stuff. And these are signs of the blessings of God. Look how well off I am. Folks, that's not New Testament Bible. Jesus said, Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath not a place to lay his head. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and come follow me. Talk about change and embracing and accepting change. Jesus said, sometimes God changes your world and you need to travel light enough that you can let go of the stuff that you identify with as yours and nobody else's and let it go. Let it go. Travel light in terms of the material things of this world. Travel light also in terms of the emotional baggage that you're carrying around right now. Many people carry around a lot of emotional baggage from the past. How much does this thing weigh? Anybody want to guess? I've got a friend in this church that brings me three or four of these about once a month. And he and I are real close buddies. It says 9.5 fluid ounces. That's how much it weighs. But if I keep holding it, it weighs a little more. 
If I stand here in a half an hour, my arm's going to hurt. If I stand here all day long, you can't have it, Billy. Uh, if I stand here, Billy says, can I have it? Um, if I stand here all day, it's really going to get heavy, isn't it? And that's the way it is with the hurts and hang-ups and the hiccups of your life that you're not willing to put down at the cross and let Jesus have it. It becomes weightier and weightier and weightier the longer you hold on to it. But if you'll just let it go at the cross, oh, it feels better already. And let God deal with things that you're not equipped to deal with. Let God deal with the stuff that you can't figure out. Let God have your disappointments. Let God have your anger. Let God have your depression. Let God have your anxiety. Let God have your, your questions that cannot be answered in this life. Let God have it. And you will travel lighter. As you head toward home. Travel light. Number two, travel honorably. Apostle Peter said, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. In this traveling of the soul, this geography of our soul, we need to travel honorably and holy. Because it is the sin in our life that weighs us down. That's what Hebrews says so clearly. Let us lay aside the weight and the sin which weighs us down in order that we may run this race, that we may continue to travel with some pep in our step. One of the reasons joy is escaping from your life like a, like a leak in a tire is that there's a sin that has penetrated your life and you're holding on to it. And as you hold on to that sin, it deflates your joy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. So the Christian life is a journey. We travel light and we travel honorably. Secondly, on this journey, there is hope in the midst of hurt. Christians are experts at hoping and hurting at the same time. People who do not know Christ want a life that's either joy all the time and happiness all the time and pain none of the time. We think that's what life should be like, the absence of pain. Happiness is the absence of pain. But folks, on this so journey, on this travel that we're on, there is hurt all the time. There is pain all the time. But along with this pain, there's also hope. Somebody said uh, living the Christian life is like the railroad track out there. On one track of this life is the hope of eternal life and the joy of heaven 
and really an invasion of that hope and joy that we get to taste as we walk down that track. But on the other track, going down this railroad track, is the, is the truth, the reality of the hurt, and the pain, the suffering, the disappointments, and the trials that we live with. It's both and. It's not either or. And if you're looking for a Christian walk that's going to be either or, you're going to be disappointed. But if you will understand and realize that as an adulting person in Christ Jesus, I live with both and. And Paul was an expert at it. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not despaired. We are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We are struck down, but we're not destroyed. We're always carrying in our body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested. It is true that we can have a deep and an abiding joy that exists together even when we are sad and tired and discouraged. Folks, it's hope that makes us resilient. It's hope that makes us resilient. It's hope that makes us resilient. When my wife's mother was in rehab, um, we were trying to make her stay there as comfortable as possible. And uh, we asked Miss Ruby, we said, now Miss Ruby, uh, we, want to, we want to bring some things from home so that it looked kind of like home. She said, don't bring a thing. I'm not staying. And then we had the bright idea, well, let us bring a pillow from your bedroom so that you can sleep on your own pillow. Don't bring that pillow. I'm not staying. We didn't bring the pillow and she didn't stay. She had hope. I'm not staying. I'm moving on. I'm going to get well. I'm going to be better. I'm going to work hard. And I'm going to go through this rehabilitation or whatever I've got to go through in order to experience healing. And she did. The Bible says in Romans 15, 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is what overcomes our fears and our paralyzing anxiety. When we're consumed by our problems and the need to be in control of everything, hope escapes us. It eludes us. I choose to believe that I am going to live forever. Let me say that again. I choose to believe that I am going to live forever. I choose to believe that I am going to live forever. No matter what comes my way, no matter what's trying to ruin my day, I'm going to live forever. Satan can keep me up all night if he wants to, threatening me with a, with a sense of an ex existential abandonment, this idea that I'm just going to evaporate when I die and not exist again. But I choose to resist that, and I choose to believe that there is a resurrection because Jesus was raised from the dead, and because Jesus was raised from the dead, I'm going to have a resurrection body like Jesus had. I choose to believe it. On this journey, there is hope in the midst of hurt. And while I hurt in many ways, I know that it won't always be like this. Well, there's coming a day when there'll be no more death, 
no more crying, no more suffering, and no more pain. It won't always be like this. I remember there were several occasions when I served in the Air National Guard as a chaplain. We might have summer camp, and we'd go through all these exercises, and we had to put on this mop gear. Anybody know what mop gear is? It's chemical warfare gear, and you had to put on a mask, and you had to put on these layers of clothes and these booties on. And, and if it was hot summertime in Savannah, Georgia, people would pass out. And I would walk into a work area, and, and when you talk, you, you just barely could hear each other. And I'd whisper in those guys' ear just as loud as I could say it, my favorite verse in the Bible. Do you know my favorite verse in the Bible? And they'd say, no. And I said, my favorite verse in the Bible is, and it came to pass. It came to pass. It won't always be this hard. It won't always be this painful. A better day is coming. Because on this journey, there is life in the midst of death. There is life in the midst of death. And that's what the gospel is all about. So as we travel together, we travel with the gospel. It is not a fantasy. It is the truth. It is the truth because, number one, it is the word of God. Number two, it is the truth because the people that were inspired to uh, write the Word of God died believing it. It is the truth because it's transformed my life as I believe and trust. And there's no other teaching that can change your life because you simply believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, friends, in the midst of death and destruction that we've seen in western Kentucky, Warren County as well, there is life. There is a new start. We grieve with those who grieve. We suffer with those who suffer. But the good news of the gospel is that there is a future and there is a life in Jesus Christ. Tommy Story told me this morning that their feeding team down in Murray, Kentucky, uh, 16 people profess faith in Jesus Christ. Brother Steve's going this week to Calvert City, I believe. They won't just be working in the warehouse. They're going to also be giving out the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. When times are terrible and awful, people are asking the hard questions. Where is God? In this sojourn that took everything away that they had, where is God? Friends, God's right in the middle of that destruction bringing good news and bringing hope. And he's here today wanting to give you that same hope that will bring resilience to your life, that will bring you comfort and peace, that will help you to live honorably and live light and walk lightly in order that you're not so bound by this world that you can't have an anticipation of the joy in heaven to come. If you don't know Christ as your Savior and your Lord, I'm going to ask you to come this morning and to receive Him as your Savior. Now, this is a journey that takes one step at a time, and the first step is profession of your faith. Now, I want you to come while we sing this song here in a minute. Some of you may want to unite with our church from a sister church. We invite you to come as well. Some of you may just want to come up here and pray. The altar is open. Let's stand together in the spirit of prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.
Father, we thank you that on this journey of following Jesus, you're with us in every turn. You're bringing us hope when we're beat down. We have a future. We have a future and a hope that God is blessing us with. Father, we repent when we depend too much on the temporal things of this life and not rely upon the providence of God to work things together for good and bring hope to our world. Move, Father, I pray through your Holy Spirit now. May every decision be made that you want to be made. And I pray it in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.